Good morning. Um, the, I guess the program has somewhat changed. Uh, there's some good news in our world. There, there was a meeting at the church about the future of our church and the new pastor that possibly may be coming or not, you know, depending on God's will. And the fact is they already have a young man that is going to be graduating from seminary in May. And we're going to have a conversation with this young man. His name is Stephen Farr, S-T-E-P-H-E-N-F-A-R-R. -E and he is available. There are uh, videos available by him on YouTube. And if you would uh, check them out, because this seems like an extraordinary young man. So I believe that this has been centered in prayer. Uh, please continue to pray about this. He's, uh, he is on the way process. The late next week they are leaving. So another thing is, uh, I was speaking to Lisa Bigler. She has a serious prayer concern. Her aunties grandson has been diagnosed as a guy that's 24 years old studying to be a doctor he's been diagnosed with uh oh medical liver cancer and possibly uh, metastases to the lung so if you would remember also Keith who usually worships worships with us was on one of his their walks uh, didn't clear the last hurdle and broke his knee, has had knee surgery and is back home. But doesn't want to share with his family because his seems trivial by comparison. So I've asked Laura if she would come up and have the corporate prayer for us and then we'll proceed. Shall we bow our heads? Father, you're our father, you're not our grandfather. And we can come directly to you because you love us so much. And we are thankful today for your love and your care for us every day. Every day you pour your blessings on us, and if we're paying attention, we only see a drop. May we continue looking every day for these blessings and be thankful and choose to give you our whole heart so that we can serve and honor you each day in every decision and every difficulty and find your healing power in our hearts and lives so that we can be 
blessings to those around us. Please bless the one who will give the message today with words from you, and may we hear your words in our hearts so that we can go from this place better people. We thank you and praise you, Father, for giving us Jesus and giving us hope and a future. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so, you, so that you can more clearly speak, hear us speak, uh, Chris will take his mask off. This is totally unplanned, so you'll have to bear with me for just a moment. Oh good, I wiped it off my phone. Okay, so let's open our Bibles, please. To the book of John. If I come in here and make the statement, the sky is green, is that true? If I make the statement, as I walk in and I say, have the typical greeting, happy Sabbath, it's a great day today, the sky is green, is that true? Is there a sky? So there's truth in that statement, but the statement isn't true. What makes it untrue? In a lot of instances, it is my personal perception or yours. But the truth is, we are often confused by mixed messages. So that's why I believe it's so important for us to go directly to the Word. The Word makes things very clear. They don't send confusing messages. So we'll be reading from John 14, because this is such a lovely, lovely chapter. So we're going to read it all, because again, otherwise we might get the mixed message that the sky was green. You ready? Are we starting at 14? Four, no, John, the chapter 14. Ah, man. Let me get this closer to you. John chapter 14, excuse me, Jesus the way to the Father, don't let your hearts be troubled, trust in God and trust also in me, there is more than enough room in my Father's home, if this were not so, would I have told you that I am going to prepare a place for you? When everything is ready, I will come and get you, so that you will always be with me where I am, and you know the way to where I am going. Verse 5. No, we don't know, Lord, Thomas said. We have no idea where you're going, so how can we know the way? Jesus told him, 
I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one can come to the Father except through me. If you had really known me, you would have known who my Father is. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. 8. Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and we will be satisfied. Jesus replied, Have I been with you all this time, Philip, and yet you still don't know who I am? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. So why are you asking me to show him to you? Don't you believe that I am the Father and the Father is in me? The words I speak are not my own, but my Father who lives in me does his work through me. Just believe that I am the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe because of the work you have seen me do. 12. I tell you the truth, anyone who believes in me will do the same works I have done and even greater works because I am going to be with the Father. You can ask for anything in my name and I will do it so that the Son can bring glory to the Father. Yes, ask for anything in my name and I will do it. Continue 15. If you love me, obey my commandments and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. No, I will not abandon you as orphans. I will come to you. Soon the world will no longer see me, but you will see me. Since I live, you also will live. When I am raised to life again, you will know that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Those who accept my commandments and obey them are the ones who love me, and because they love me, my Father will love them, and I will love them and reveal myself to each of them. 22. Judas, not Judas Iscariot, but the other disciple with that name, said to him, Lord, why are, you going, why are you going to reveal yourself only to us and not to the world at large? Jesus replied, All who love me will do what I say. My Father will love them, and then we will come and make our home with each of them. Anyone who doesn't love me will not obey me, and remember my words are not my own. What I am telling you is from the Father who sent me. I am telling you these things now while I am still with you. But when the Father sends the advocate as my representative, that is the Holy Spirit, he will teach you everything and I will remind you of everything I have told you. 27. I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind. I am leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So don't be troubled or afraid. Remember what I told you. I am going away, but I will come back to you again. If you really loved me, you would be happy that I am going to the Father who is greater than I am. 29. I have told you these things before they happen so that when they do happen, you will believe. 30. I don't have much time to talk to you because the rulers of this world approaches. He has no power over me, but I will do what the Father requires of me so that the world will know that I love the Father. 
Come, let's be going. Amen. Amen. So in verse 6, Jesus makes this amazing, outlandish, by this world's standard, insane statement. Jesus told him, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. Now, people spend a lot of effort, a lot of money, and a lot of anguish trying to find these three things. The way, the way for each one of us is different, right? Because none of us are the same. Have you ever noticed God in uh, Psalms, in Psalm 139, he says he's knit you together in your mother's womb. And in doing that, he has done it to a pattern. Because you can't knit without a pattern. I, was, I asked a lady who knew about knitting, and she says, yeah, I might be able to, because I've knit a lot. Because I asked her, I said, if I ask you to knit me a sweater, could you? And she says, maybe. But it might end up as one large sleeve. <laughs> she says a pattern is necessary. So when God did this amazing thing while you were still maybe the size of a peanut inside your mom, he had already accomplished this task. Let's go to Psalm 139 so that you will know that I'm not lying to you. Starting in verse 13. All my delicate inner parts of my body and knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous. How well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion. As I was woven together in the dark of the womb, you saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O God. They cannot be numbered. I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand. And when I wake up, you are still with me. This applies to each one of us. That's when we look around this room or anywhere else. God had a pattern for you. He had a pattern for me. We're not who we are out of random genetics. It's because this creator being had such feeling for the human race, not that we deserve it, not that we rate it, not that we work and finally become worthy of it, he, because he loves us. Because why? We are made in his image. In the image of God, he made them. Okay, so when we look around the room, do we see the image of God? When we look at the news and someone has committed some heinous act, do we see the image of God? Or is it only applied to those that think like us, believe like us? I don't believe so. I don't see exceptions. It doesn't say, you knit me together in 
There's room, but only me. Not them, not him, not her. This is a universality. This is a universal truth. God is the author of life. Unfortunately, we can't say that. Are we involved in it? Yeah. I look at Richard and Becky out there with their three beautiful daughters. Good job, guys. Those girls are made in the image of God. So when you look into your fa their faces, even when they're crying and being a mess, do you see the image of God? I hope so. We had two beautiful little children visiting with us this morning that were from a family. And I saw the image of God as they toddled in and their, their parents were so, I don't know, ashamed, uh, upset because they had come into the room where we were looking at scripture. And I thought, the whole thing is, what did Jesus say? Let them come. We should separate out the little kids. The kids are made in the image. When we fall out of our mamas, we're in the image of God. When you're as old as I am, you're in the image of God. Yeah. What would be the term with Mr. Bork? He's 99. He's in the image of God. There's no escaping this because it is us. So why do it seem like we want to differentiate? Because I believe it's easier. It's easier. It's easier for me to put a label to someone. That person is a label. You know, it's like you've got one of those little machines that punches it out on the plastic tape, and it says, Christian. It says, non-believer. And I walk up, stick it on something. Together, is this thing dying? Take it care of. You can yell from up there, Gavin. We're cool. Is this one dead too? Because the image applies universally, we have to apply it universally. And that is very, very difficult. Because in myself, I see differences. Only from my height of spirituality, right? I have attained. Well, the truth is... I haven't attained anything. You know, I get to stand up here. I'm always in awe. This is just by default because I couldn't find anybody else. But the truth is, when I come forward, I stand in awe because you allow me to be up here. Amen. Because a lot of you, some of you know me. <laughs> so it's probably amazing to you too. But the truth is, none of us deserve to be up in front. Because we're still human. We still have all the foibles that make us human. The, the ingrained sin self that says it's okay for me to not just, I won't use any harsh language here, dislike someone. But Jesus in Matthew 5 says, if I dislike them, I hate them, and it's the same as murdering them. 
So when do we change that? When do we change? Because he says, what good is it if you just like the people who like you? Who pray, you pray for the ones that you like. There's no account in that. The thing is, is when we can actually pray for those who persecute us. Not only just pray for them, but love them. Love them enough that we would be willing to do this really harsh. I bet that Richard would lay down his life for any one of his family. There's no question in my mind. But would he for his worst enemy? Jesus did for me, and I was his worst enemy. I was stuck in sin. I had no choice because I was a sinner at my base nation. I could not change it because I'd read part of this book that told me there was no hope. Because of the acts I had perpetrated, I could not be saved. But the truth is, Jesus said, the book may say that, but what's it say here in verse 6? I am the way, the truth, and the life. So when we hear that word, the truth, what do we think of? A bunch of words on little stone plaques? The truth. The truth had feet. How did he treat the outcast? How did he treat the people at the periphery? Did he go to church and say, yeah, as soon as they clean it up enough, they can come in? What did his church member say about him? What are you doing? You are eating with these known sinners. I was one of them. I was a well-known sinner. My brother Chris was a sinner. But do you know something? Through what Christ accomplished on the cross, he changed us without our knowledge, without our permission. Because I know I wasn't looking for him. Chris wasn't looking for him. He kind of come up and found us. And he found each one of you. Whether you were raised in the best church family in the world, you, he still had to find you because you still had a human heart. And he says, no, 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 no. That's not good enough. I want to put my heart within you, my spirit within you, my father within you, myself within you. And that's the only hope we have because otherwise we're going to be applying labels. And labels are only the first step to dismissal. When I label someone as less than anything, I then have the ability to dismiss them as unimportant. Well, they don't agree with my political views, so that makes them wrong and less than. They don't agree with my faith beliefs, so I can label them and then dismiss them and not think about them. Did Christ do that to them? Did he do it to us? No. In each and every instance, no matter how far away from God we were, he came here, he hung on a cross, which probably wasn't a lot of fun. Because remember, he asked Dad, Dad, book me a plane out of here. But not my will, your will, Father. And so when we think of that in the sense of who is my brother, who wasn't made in the image of God? 
I don't know. I haven't looked it up in the dictionary. There may be a picture there. There may be. I could look on Google. I'm sure that there's somebody illuminated there. Because I want us to go a little farther into Scripture today. Because these chapters, for me, are uh, like reality TV, only it's real. Uh, you do recognize the fact that reality TV is a spin-off of big-time wrestling. It may not be. The things on your screen may not be as real as they appear. Chris, come up. Uh, John 15, if you would, uh, verses 1 through 17. Wait a minute. John 15, Jesus the true vine. I am the true vine and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit so they will that do bear fruit so they will produce even more. You've already been pruned and purified by the message I have given you. Remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine, and you cannot be fruitful unless you remain in me. Yes, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me is thrown away like useless branch and withers. Every branch is, excuse me, such branches are gathered into a pile to be burned. But if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. 9. I have loved you even as the Father has loved me. Remain in my love. When you obey my commandments, you remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. I have told you these things so that you will be filled with my joy. Yes, your joy will overflow. This is my commandment. Love each other in the same way I have loved you, period. There is no greater love than to lay down one's life for one's friends. 14. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you slave because a master doesn't confide in his slaves. Now you are my friends. Since I have told you everything the Father told me, you don't choose me, I choose you. I appointed you to go and produce lasting fruit so that the Father will give you whatever you ask for using my name. This is my commandment. Love each other. What's amazing about this 
What's amazing about this is the fact that this is about him, not us. What's it say? I am the true vine. And my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do, not bear, that do bear fruit so they will produce even more. What does pruning look like? Cutting away the extraneous. Is it comfortable? There's a video by the skit guys called God's Chisel. And this guy is standing there. It's two guys, they're funny, worth watching. And the guy takes a chisel to the other guy, breaking off the parts that are extraneous. Well, now sometimes I don't think it's real pleasant because the stuff that I feel is necessary, God may look at as unnecessary. But it's things I like. It's things that I really enjoy. But he sees it as something that needs to be burnt. Because what happens once it's pruned? It's no longer on the vine, no longer attached on the branch, attached to the vine. It withers, right? This is the work of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit says, my job is to bring you into all truth. Well, all truth will tell you what you need to do. Because what's it say? When you obey my commandments, you remain, remain in my love, just as I obey my Father's commandments and remain in his love. Does this mean the little words cut out in, into the stone? When they say commandment, is that what's meant here? Is that the whole truth? What does it say? This is my commandment. Love each other. Can you do that on your own? Even the ones that gather here on the right day, even those that you know in church, can we even like them, let alone love them, without something being cut away? That thing that needs to be cut away is called self. Self is the thing that gets in between us and God. Because it becomes about me. And once we come into a relationship with Jesus, it no longer is about us. It's no longer about me. It's about him, what he has done for each one of us. Because this is another great universal truth. The truth is that he's already accomplished all these things. All we have to do is come in alignment with that. Yes, Lord. So if he's trying to knock something off you and you're fighting, face the inevitability. It's going to happen. It may take a while. It may take the rest of your life. I don't know. Because I don't know if you're struggling. I struggle daily. But I'm not alone in this because I know that there are others who struggle too. But you know, used to be I didn't struggle. <laughs> Step in the right direction. Chris, come up here. Come up here. You can't. Chris, Come up here. <laughs> they can't hear you through the microphone. Oh, man. If I get it up that tall, we're in trouble. So you're going to have to squat down. This is what we get for raising our hands in That's church. Right. <laughs> Amen. I was just looking at the second part of that verse um, in John 12, uh, verse 12. 
this is my command that you love one another just as I have loved you. And the thought occurred to me, do we really spend time thinking about how Christ loves us? Uh, do we spend time thinking about things that might need to be cut out like the condemning thoughts we have of ourselves? John, uh, in John 3, 17, uh, Jesus said, I have not come to condemn the world, but that the world might be saved. So if we are spending time, subconsciously, maybe, in the background, but it's there, uh, condemning ourselves, then we aren't allowing Jesus to love us the way he wants to. And that could be something that needs to be cut away, too. You know, we, at least I usually think of sin as something that needs to be cut away, my selfishness, my greed, my pride, that kind of stuff. But there are other less obvious things sometimes that I think the pruner, uh, master pruner works on here. Thank you. Thank you. Okay, I hope that didn't scare everybody the fact that if you raise your hand, you're going to come up in front. <laughs> but you may. Very good. Because have you loved someone the way Jesus loves you? Because without Jesus, we don't love because we're always looking for what we get out. This is true love because it comes from the truth. He won't come in and tell you the sky is green, unless it is. He won't come in and tell you something that is untrue. He won't. That's our domain, guys, because we all deal in falsehood. Devin, is that your hand up? You want to come up front? <laughs> The realities are that he has done this amazing thing for us through this act that was done so long ago. And we should revel in that. Because remember, what did the disciples think at the foot of the cross? Well, before they all boogied out of there. This is the worst day there ever was. There has never been a worse day than today because look, our leader is up there, unless he manages something, he's going to die, then what do we do? Sorry, sorry. <clears throat> and when we pray for our enemies, it's just a short-term thing, really. Because you can't pray for an enemy and then stay your enemy. Did you hear me? You can't pray for your enemy and them stay your enemy. Not here. They may think of themselves as your enemy. <laughs> but when I have prayed for the enemy in my life, that enemy has become someone I have compassion on. So it's just a short-term thing to pray for an enemy. Like the rest of your life. Um, the, mirac the miraculous thing in our lives can often be, I didn't say always be, because he's true. He's truly saying the right thing, that there are times when we're daily tempted to retaliate or hurt or hate someone. But when <clears throat> God changes our heart and makes us a new creature, he can change our mind about what enemy is or eneminess. Someone else can still choose to be my enemy or not like me. And I can believe what Chris is talking about, that God chooses me 
as a precious child of his, and I don't need to believe whatever I'm making up in my head about that person may be thinking of me and his enemy and not good enough. So I can believe God, and I can choose to ch- that other person who thinks of themselves, or I believe they think I am their enemy, that they are not my enemy because I can pray for them, because they have their own demons they're d- dealing with. So I think of that because there are real times in my life when I've chosen to pray for the enemy, and God changed my mind about that over just a little time because of the little bit of faith that I gave him, and he helped it grow. Amen. Amen. This is the Spirit. This is the Spirit's job to lead us into all truth. Because it, just like our pattern that he knit us together to is individual that spirit path is but God will never deny you ever never people may they may they may hurt you they may hurt you emotionally they may hurt you physically that's not God that's people coming out of their reality So if someone comes in and says the sky is green, be skeptical. But if Jesus in your heart says, I am the way, the truth, and the life, believe it and grab hold of it because that's where the hope lies. The hope is that he's already figured out that you're worth dying for because he's already done it. And he did it individually, just like he knit us together individually. That he has done this thing. There's very little I have to do. Because he already chose. What does it say? You did not choose me, I chose you. It was him choosing you. That's why you're here today. Because he chose you. Because he designed you in his image. You're here. Does that mean the other person isn't? No. But we don't know who's chosen. He's the potter. We're the little, and especially after COVID, I'm a little more lumpy. So we are the lump of clay. He gets to do with this. He gets to remake the lump of clay. Remember when he, the thing about the guy goes down to the potter's shed and the potter messes up the, the pot. And so he just smashes it down and makes a new one. That's what the Holy Spirit is doing in each one of us. Some slower, some of us faster. Sometimes when you're a slow learner like me, it takes a long time. So take heart. God has you in his hands. He isn't going to let you go. It may not look like it. I think of Lisa's family right now. It may not look like God has them in his hands. Because terrible things still happen. But that's because of where we live, our address. Our address is going to change, folks. We just don't know when. The moving van's already on its way. But it may have to hit a few detours. I'm not sure. So that's the message for today. I hope that you have a blessed rest of the day. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I praise your name today because each one of us is made in your image. We are so diverse that it just shows a real picture of you. The beauty that you see in each one of us, we may not be able to see. 
worthiness that you see in each one of us, we may not be able to see. But it's not because it's not there. You put it there so it is because you say you are the way, the only way, the truth, the only real truth. The rest of it is subjective. And the life, because a life in you is radically transformed. Whether we want it to be or not, Lord, because you love us. You love us beyond belief. So, Lord, we lift up those that are in the valley of the shadow. We lift up those who are in the valley of the shadow of doubt. And we just pray, Lord, that through your spirit, through your power, that you would be glorified this day in each one of our lives. And we pray these things knowing who's God and who's not. Amen.